you're able to remain standing, please do so take your copies of God's Word and turn with, with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 will begin at verse 11 and read tonight through verse 21. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to Lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was a division. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at the first 10 verses of John chapter 10, and we saw three things last week, how false shepherds are destructive to the church. And even today, false shepherds are destructive to the church and the, and the body of Christ as they lead the sheep of, of God astray into false doctrine. We saw last week as well how true shepherds are to lead and guide the church as they are led by the good shepherd. And we see tonight who that good shepherd is. He is Jesus. And we saw last week as well how Jesus, the good shepherd, is the only door to life. There is no other door to life eternal but through Jesus. And so tonight we hear Jesus telling us that He is the Good Shepherd. Now what is the primary purpose of the shepherd? The first thing is the shepherd needs to know his flock. He needs to know how many sheep he has in the flock. If one goes astray, the good shepherd will go after that one and bring him back. The shepherd also leads the flock. If there is drought or not enough grass in one area, the shepherd will lead the flock to another 
area where he can take care and feed the flock and make sure that they have everything that they need. And then the third purpose is that the, the shepherd protects the flock. The shepherd protects the flock from enemies. For sheep, that, that would be other animals. The wolf. Or other predators in the wild. And so that is the, the, the purpose of the shepherd. To know the flock. To lead the flock. And to protect the flock. As we stated last week, the shepherds of the church today are the elders of the church. So the elders are to know the flock. They are to lead the flock. They are to protect the flock. And this is the imagery that we, we see in Acts chapter 20 when Paul met with the elders of, of Ephesus at Miletus. And he told them that after he left, uh, that, that savage wolves would come in to attack the flock. And those would come in from the outside, but also they would, they would be raised up from the inside. And so the elders of the church are to do all of this under the guidance of Jesus, the good shepherd. Tonight we hear Jesus tell us, I am the good shepherd. And we see three things concerning uh, Jesus, the good shepherd, and, and his relation or relations to his sheep and to his father, and then finally to the world. So we begin with the good shepherd's relation to a sheep. In verses 11 through 13, we, we hear that Jesus dies for his sheep. I am the good sheep, the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leads the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good, I am the shepherd, the good one. I am the good one, preeminent and excellent in every feature. I am the good and beautiful shepherd. That's what he is saying tonight. Now, when we think of a shepherd in the Old Testament, our mind immediately goes to David, doesn't it? He was tending his father's sheep when Samuel came to anoint him as king. And, and Samuel was a good shepherd, but, but he was not as good as our Lord. David was that good shepherd in the Old Testament, but we have a far greater shepherd than David, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see why Jesus came. He came as the good shepherd to lay down his life for the sheep. Now, who are the sheep? All that the Father gave unto the Son. We can say tonight, the sheep are the elect of God. Notice what Jesus says. He does not lay down His life, but for the sheep. He lays down His life for those whom the Father has given to Him. Those whom the Father, from before the foundation of the world, chose in His love to to give unto Christ. And, and Christ came at that appointed time to lay down His life for the sheep. And that's how we know He is the Good Shepherd. And notice, the, the hireling, the hired hand, will not do that which Christ has done. 
Now the hireling, the hired hand, is no different than a, a false shepherd. When the danger comes, the, the hired hand, who does, is not the shepherd, who does not own all the sheep, he, he sees the wolf coming and, and he leaves, leaves the sheep and he flees. Why? Because he, he doesn't want to be taken by the wolf either. He does not protect the sheep. But Jesus willingly gave His life for His sheep. False shepherds will not do this. A false shepherd will not protect the sheep from the wolves that, that come from outside and that are raised up from the inside. They, they will run away as things get too, too dangerous for them. But not our Lord. He loves the sheep so much that he gives his very own life. And he goes on in verse 14 I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is how we know that Jesus loves us. Jesus knows his sheep and the sheep know him. Now that word for know is the, the Greek word gnosko. It means to know experientially. And to know in this way implies a loving union and fellowship. And that's how that word know is often used in the, in the Bible. It is used in terms of a love relationship. And so as we are known by Jesus, we are known because God loves us. And He loved us from before the foundation of the world. And Jesus loved us. The second person of the Trinity loved us from before the foundation of the world because He knows us. And in turn, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, they know Him. And that knowledge, Jesus compares that knowledge between Him and and his sheep with a knowledge between him and his father. How his father knows the son. And how he knows the father in return. And, and because of that he says again. I lay down my life for the sheep. We are identified with Christ by his knowing us. By his loving us. And, and by our knowing him and loving Loving Him. And this leads us in, in return to know God the Father. And so again, because of His love for His sheep, He has laid down His life. But then He goes on, He says that the Good Shepherd also unites all of the sheep. In verse 16, He says, And I have other sheep, sheep they are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. That moment in time, Jesus had other sheep that were not of the fold of Israel. But he tells us here that he would bring them in. And so those sheep that he speaks of here were those outside of the nation of Israel, the, the Gentiles, but who belonged to Christ and would in time Come to Christ. And again, that was the, the purpose of God from the very beginning, from the fall. The, the purpose of God was to have one worshiping people.
people under Christ. Now in the Old Testament, we see how God established the nation of Israel. He created the nation of Israel. From who? A Gentile. Abraham. He was no worshiper of Jehovah at the time. And God revealed Himself. And Abraham believed all the promises that God gave to him. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And from Abraham, the, the nation of Israel was born. And it grew and grew and grew. And, and yet we also see that as it grew, that, that, they, that they turned from their God. And because of that, God would eventually send them into exile. And, and, and a remnant would come back. We heard of that remnant that had not bowed the knee to Baal this morning, 7,000 who had not done that when Elijah thought he was it. God always preserved the believing remnant in Israel. And now we come to the Gospels, we come to the time of Christ. And he again reminds us of that purpose of God. And that purpose is to have a people uh, from every nation and tongue and tribe. And so Jesus tells us he will bring those sheep in as well. With the purpose of what? There being one flock. And one shepherd. The purpose of there being one worshiping people of God. There is one flock of God's sheep today. One true Israel of God that is found in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That includes both believing Jews and Gentiles. The gospel is for both. For the Jew first, but also for the Greek, Paul tells us in Romans 1. And so that's the first thing. We see the good shepherd's relation to his sheep. And then we see his relation to his father. Part of that is love. Verse 17, for this reason the father loves me. Because I lay down my life. That I may take it up again. It was not only love for his sheep that Christ laid down his life. But also love for his father. We know Jesus always did the, the will of his father upon this earth. He never, uh, he never went away from it. He never sinned in any way against God the father. He came for the purpose uh, of dying for the sheep. Of laying down his life. And notice he is the one who lays it down. When we think of the death of Christ. Me. Many times, we, we, and rightfully so, we know that the, the Romans are the ones that, that put him to death. The Jews were the one that gave him a, a mock trial and tried to establish some, some charge against him so he could be handed over to the Romans. And the Romans physically took his life in that way. But Jesus reminds us here that, that he actually laid it down. He laid it down for his sheep. He laid it down because of the love that the Father had for him and he had for the Father and the love that Jesus had for his sheep. God loves Christ. Christ loves God. And that love implies obedience. And we know Jesus was obedient even unto death to his Father. He goes on in verse 18, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 
Again, Jesus was obedient unto death. He laid it down. He laid down his life as he suffered on the cross. Three hours of complete darkness. Three hours of hell upon the cross. Suffering for our sins. And it wasn't until all all of that was complete. All of the wrath of God had been poured out upon him completely. That he uttered, it is finished. And then he said at the very end, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. No one took the life of Christ. He gave it up. He gave it up willingly and freely for us. He laid it down and he did so so that he he could also take it up again. Notice, it is Christ who is Lord over life and death. We hear that tonight. He had authority from the Father to lay down his life for the sheep. But he also had authority from the Father to take up his life again. That is the resurrection. Three days after his death, we all know well, Jesus rose from the dead. And he did this for us. Just as he died for his sheep, he rose on the third day for the same sheep that he died for. Now what would have happened if there was no resurrection? Well, there would have been no redemption, no salvation. That's how important the resurrection of Christ is. Without the resurrection of Jesus, without Him taking up His life again and raising up His body, there is no salvation for anyone. And as Paul tells us clearly in 1 Corinthians 15, that if that is the case, we as Christians, we have believed a lie, And we are of all men most to be pitied. But we have not believed a lie because Jesus laid down his life. He took it up again and he received that charge to do that from his father. Paul tells us in Philippians 2 and verse 8, being found in human form that Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so he did all all of this, not only because he loved his sheep, but because he loved his father. And then third, we see the good shepherd's relation to the world. And we see that in the reaction of what Jesus said and what he has said. And and really throughout this whole occasion, back when Jesus healed the man born blind, this dialogue that Jesus is having is a continuation, really, of what we saw in John chapter 9. And what we see that there was a... A division again. Verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. They were divided because of the words that Jesus spoke. We see that division in our text. When, and we, we again see that when Christ speaks the truth, there is division. Why is that? Because man is sinful. When the church speaks the truth, there is division. When Christ shows the sinfulness of man, there is division. And so those in our text, they want to push Jesus aside. At least a portion of them to do. And we hear of them in, in verse 20. Many of them said, he has a demon. And it is insane. Why listen to him? 
Now this is the fallen world's opinion of Christ and of a sheep. There are many who say Jesus is nothing more than a madman. He was crazy. He was insane. And this is how the world reacts to the teachings of Christ. And they do so because they are spiritually blind to who Christ really is. But also what they say about Jesus tonight in our text, they also can say of us. Have you ever had anyone say, you know, you're crazy to be a Christian. You must not have good common sense. You must not be intellectual. After all, how could you believe the Bible? How, how can you believe in their minds a, 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 a book that has so many inconsistencies, but there's no inconsistencies. They are inconsistent. And they're inconsistent because they're fallen and, and they are dead in their sins and trespasses. But the fallen world believes that the followers of Christ are crazy and insane. And if the world had their way, they would lock us up in mental institutions. How can you believe in a man who died and rose again, who said that he died and rose again? That's why there's so much persecution of Christ's sheep in the world. Over the last hundred years or so, there's been more persecution of the people of God than any other time in the history of the world. Why is that? Well, one reason, the church continues to grow. The kingdom of Christ continues to invade enemy territory, taking away what so many people hold dear. Taking away the ground that Satan thinks he has, and because of that, they react, and they react in violent ways, and it will continue to happen until Christ returns. Did you hear this week that because you're a Christian, you are now a domestic terrorist according to our government? You are a domestic terrorist according to our government. That's how the world views the church. And that persecution, again, will continue until Christ comes. Jesus warns us elsewhere that do not be surprised if persecution comes. The, the world persecuted Jesus. They put Him to death. If we faithfully follow Him, it will come to us one day as well. And so that was one group. They, they said He has a demon. He is insane. Why listen to Him? And then there were others, though, that, that we have them speaking against that group. These are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? They were beginning to see something about Christ. These are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a man born blind? There were some who saw that the blind man healed who who saw and heard of his appearance before the, the Sanhedrin, they heard the words of Christ to the Pharisees and they concluded that no possessed man or insane man could do the things that Christ did. That only a man who had been sent by God could do these things. Their eyes are beginning to be opened. Now these people do not have a full grown faith but they're heading in the right direction. They recognize that Jesus was 
was sent from God because a man who had not been sent from God could not do these things. He could not do these mighty works. And so what application can we make here tonight? Well, well first is simply this. To what group do you belong to this evening? Do you view Jesus as a demon-possessed man or one who, who came from God to do His Father's will? Do you view Jesus as the eternal Son of God who came to give His life a ransom for His sheep or just a good man who died at the hands of evil men? Just as in the days of Christ, so too we are presented tonight with the claims of Christ. We are presented those claims from the Word of God. And as we hear the claims of Christ, as we hear tonight that He is a good shepherd, we, we must, in our minds, believe them or not. In our hearts, believe what He says or not. But the claims of Christ are true regardless of whether you believe them. You could leave here tonight and say Jesus was insane. He was a madman. It does not change the fact that all that Jesus said and did was true. But to have eternal life, we are to believe His claims. And not just believe His claims, but we are to believe in Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Second, Jesus is the Good Shepherd. And so what is your relationship with the Good Shepherd this evening? Turn, turn back to Psalm 23. A Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who is David writing about? He's writing about Christ. He's writing to us, reminding us that it is the Lord Jesus who is our shepherd. And through Christ, we truly do not want. It is Christ who makes us lie down in those green pastures. It is Christ who gives us living Water in and of itself. It is Christ who restores our soul to God and then leads us in the paths of righteousness. Why? For His glory. For the sake of His great name. Even when we are called to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it is Christ who walks with us. It is also Christ who disciplines us. With his rod and staff. But in that discipline there is comfort. It is Christ who has prepared a table before us. In the presence of our very enemies. It is Christ who has anointed us with oil and with his Holy Spirit. It is Christ that causes our cup 
to overflow. And because of Christ, we know of the goodness and mercy of God in this life and as we go to the next. And so the promises that are found in this song are promises about Jesus. Have you laid hold on the promises of this song? And third and finally, to lay hold of the promises of Psalm 23 means that you lay hold of Christ, the Good Shepherd. Are you counted this evening as a sheep in God's fold through Jesus? Have you entered through that door as Jesus to know of the Good Shepherd? If not, then see the love that the The good shepherd has for all of his sheep. All that he died for. He loves them. It is is a personal love. Where Jesus knows each of his sheep by name. Think of that. The millions of sheep that Jesus has. He knows each of us by name. It is a sacrificial love. One where he did not shy away from death because he knew that was the only way for his sheep to be reconciled to his father. And it is a love that unites all of us in one body, the church, under the head, Jesus, the good shepherd. And so if you do not know that Jesus is the good shepherd, then come and see the love he has for all who will come to him in faith. All who will come to Him repenting of their sins. And as you do that, then you become one of the sheep of Christ. And you become a child of God. And you know of that mercy and love that is given for you, that was given for you and given to you by the Lord Jesus. How He came and He laid down His life for you. And He raised it up again for you. Again, Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we thank You this evening that Jesus is the Good and perfect shepherd. And oh Lord, I pray that if there are any here tonight that, that, does not, that they do not know of your love and mercy to them, that you by your spirit would show them as they have heard your word and apply it to their hearts. Oh Lord, give them a heart to come and to believe in Jesus. To trust in him and him alone for their salvation. And as they they do so, Father, may they know that they are one of the sheep that Christ died for. No, God, we thank You tonight that You have saved us. That You have brought us into Your family. You have brought us into the sheepfold of Jesus. And oh God, we give You thanks and praise for that. And may we faithfully follow our Good Shepherd as He leads us in green pastures, as He causes us to sit down beside the still waters. 
as He has set before us a table. And one day He will usher us in to our eternal home. And we pray all of this in His name. Amen.